Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is designed to make strategy work for small to medium-sized businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We are really excited. We just recently launched the Captain Strategy course. This is a group-oriented session that we walk you through the seven key principles so you can create the strategic plan on your own. It's a live type session. If you're interested about that, please sign up now as as, uh, we have classes that are filling up for that. We'd like to do shout outs from time to time. And this one goes to Dr. Don Wood and his incredible work that he's doing for our recommendation for today's guest. Thank you, Dr. Don Wood. And we have Dr. Vonda Wright, who's with us today. She is a board certified orthopedic sports surgeon, researcher, author, innovator, and expert on aging and precision longevity. She believes by harnessing the actual science of aging, precision lifestyle, and mid-set mobilization, we can make the rest of life the best of life. Mm-hmm. She's also a double-boarded orthopedic sports surgeon, and she's the president of Houston Orthopedics as well. She has done incredible work throughout her career. Dr. Vonda Wright, Vonda, welcome to the Measure Sess podcast. Carl, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So let's get into this. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, because you're not you're just your ordinary orthopedic surgeon. You know what? Any of you lucky or unlucky enough to have to be in an orthopedic surgeon's office knows basically what we do. We we fix bones, tendons, muscles. We're the people who make your shoulder work again so that you can work or, or make you walk again after traumatic injuries. And that is a lot of what I do. That is, you know, what I'm board certified in. I'm a sports surgeon. So that means that my skill is not only with open surgery, but with the most um, minute incisions possible. In fact, we've just developed a new technology where there are no incisions. We literally do surgery through needles, which is remarkable. It's called nanotechnology, nanoscope. And so it's so fascinating, the innovation that can come from a curious mind. But what you're referring to is that my entire career has been shaped by my first medical career, which was as an oncology nurse. It was a privilege for me when I was in my early 20s uh, to get, um, after I got graduated from college with a bachelor's degree, I then very quickly got another bachelor's and master's in oncology nursing and took care of people in the battle of their lives, right? So everything that matters in life in terms of What's really important was laid out before me and the people that were really struggling to win their journey. So that has flavored my entire career, even as an orthopedic surgeon, understanding that the metal in bones, the nanotechnology is only one part of it because people come to us as a surgeon in their most vulnerable time. And by the relationship's nature, 
many of them trust me the first time they meet me to actually do surgery. So that is a huge responsibility. So the way I take that seriously is by treating the whole person. So if you come to me and say, oh, my shoulder is killing me, or a woman comes to me, my shoulder is killing me. It doesn't move anymore. I don't know what happened. And, and they're, they're clearly in distress. And then inevitably people say to me things like, I don't know what happened. I am falling apart. Well, that's what clues me in that there's more going on than just a short uh, a shoulder that's not working. They're not sleeping. They're gaining weight. All the things that in midlife make it so different than the first 30 years of our lives. And so I address those. You know, we talk about what's going on with our hormones, both men and women. If men are tearing a bunch of tendons, we test testosterone. If women are not sleeping, having brain fog, lots of inflammation, we start talking about estradiol. And then we talk about sleep. And so all of those things, Carl, are important for a whole person doctor to take care of a whole person. And I do that, even though I'm an orthopedic surgeon and people put us in a category where it's just putting metal in bones. I think the best doctors, which I always strive to be, listen, and we're going to take care of all of you. And if I need to refer you, which I often do, I do, but we just don't leave it with the metal. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I want to go back to something that you talked about. There's, there's two things that in the preamble is number one, you talked about doing surgery with needles versus, you know, traditional arthroscopic or even your know, traditional part. Tell me a little bit more about that. Cause that seems, it appears like the recovery must be so much faster. From oh, doing that. I am so glad you went back to that. So, you know, arthroscopic surgery was a real pivot in the beginning of my career from big open surgeries to very small one centimeter incisions through which uh, instruments the size of a pen go through, a light goes through, instruments go through, and we can do so much work through very little apertures. And the recovery from big incisions to arthroscopic incisions was a paradigm shift. What I'm talking about now is the next paradigm shift such that I do not use an 11 blade scalpel, which is what is, you know, the, the size of scalpel we use to make any incisions with nanotechnology. I literally take a large bore needle after numbing up the skin with local. So there is no general anesthesia, no tube down your throat, right? General anesthesia is not needed. Local sedation with lidocaine and marcaine. Then we put the needle into the knee, for instance, and I stick a camera in. It is a camera on a wire. Literally picture it. It's like a, a two millimeter wire. It goes in. Well, imagine then seeing the world, which you can see, having little instruments, which still can do all the work. But instead of running three to six liters of fluid through a small knee, which is what it takes for a regular arthroscopy, we use less than a liter. So there's no giant swelling. So patients literally, sometimes when they're awake, they get up. They walk around the recovery room. They don't even need crutches. So envision, I'm going to summarize it. No incisions, no general anesthesia, very rapid recovery. Therefore, 
I, I do not prescribe narcotics for this surgery, only ibuprofen and Tylenol. So we're addressing even the narcotic problem. And this represents an amazing paradigm shift for my patients. But even within the span of a few years, needle technology has gone from an idea like, wouldn't it be cool to really functioning as another form of surgery without incisions? How significant of repair can you do with that with technology? The, can you do an ACL tear improvement, for example? You know, an ACL, uh, the size of incision is limited or predicated by the size of the graft. We, because we're putting a graft back into the knee to replace the ligament that's torn. We want the graft to be at least 10 millimeters minimum. You know, sometimes we'll accept an eight, but very rarely. So we need an incision that's at least one centimeter. So in that case, when you're putting this graph in, you must make a larger incision. But this technology has been used for rotator cuff repair. I use it for uh, meniscus debridement, meniscus repair. Um, we are in the laboratory working out the techniques for hip arthroscopy. But it's not only for the direct procedure. I did a I did a procedure called a posterior cruciate ligament reconstruction, which is this the opposite of an anterior cruciate, right? But it is a it is a very dangerous surgery because the posterior cruciate is in the back of the knee where the artery is. So it's always very care even more careful than usual because you can physically see the artery pumping in the back. But what I used the needle scope was in this procedure was as an augment to my regular scope. I wanted to look behind the knee. What would be better to look back there than something the size of a wire when you're that close to the artery, right? So it's not only primary, it's augmented visualization from multiple directions. And I got to tell you, it's pretty cool. I'm kind of geeking out on this uh, technology conversation right now. But you know, it it just comes from having curious minds. The the innovators are curious, the, the engineers. It's very fun to work with the engineers and imagine what could be. That is tremendous. Okay, so a different part of the story you mentioned beforehand, which is you were a nurse beforehand. And, and now you've become a surgeon. Tell us about that path, because that's not common, right? That for, mm -hmm. for people to, usually it goes, well, I'm going nursing, or I'm going to become a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. You took the, the different stage of you start as a nurse and then became a doctor. Tell us about that change and why, why did you do that? You know what? I, it goes back even before, yeah, I'll summarize the whole story. Sometimes I can talk the whole time, but it has to do with success, right? And, and a journeys towards success that sometimes from the outside look very circuitous. Like we went around the hill, we went up, we went down again, we went around. But often the journey to success or probably in your experience talking to so many people on this podcast, it is not a straight line. It is a lot of uh, pivoting, it is a lot of trial and error. And sometimes even the circuitous line is purposeful. So I think that's what the story of this is. You know, I was a sophomore in college. I was one of those kids in high school where it was pretty easy. So I went into college expecting it to be that way. And then I went to a good school and it was a, a it was a exponential difference in because everybody there was 
had, you know, did well in high school. So then I got, I got through my, into the sophomore year of college where all pre-meds take organic chemistry, which was, was hyped up to be like the tell-all. If you can't do orgo, you can't be a doctor. Anybody out there who has kids wanting to go to medical school, there's nothing further from the truth, but just no one told me that. So, you know, I should have taken the second test of the semester more seriously. I didn't. I got some miserable grade on it. And then I lost my confidence in this brain that I had been given. And so I pivoted course. And, you know, when I say this, I do not mean it to say in any way that nursing is less than being a surgeon, but I pivoted to nursing. And in three years, when I graduated from a degree in biology, okay, people, just so you know, for my pride's sake, I ended up making a B in orgo. It turned out okay. <laughs> that was purely ego, Carl, right there. I had to let people know. But uh, in three years after college, uh, I got another bachelor's degree in nursing and a master's degree in oncology. And during those times, I I staffed a floor at Rush Rush. Uh, Presbyterian Hospital in Chicago. It was called 11 Kellogg. At that time in the 90s, chemotherapy was given at night and I worked at night. And it was also primary nursing where I took care of the same people every time they were in the hospital, every month for six months. So deep relationships uh, uh, would develop in terms of caring relationships, right? I was their nurse. So Coming from that, uh, I learned so much. We could have a whole discussion about what I learned from that and how it flavored my whole life. But there came a point because I was 23 years old and I had learned so much from people uh, in the struggle of their lives. And I had been promoted to run a cancer institute with the chairman. And I just decided that my next step to success or in my career um, probably wasn't going to be at the bedside. So I interviewed for business, I interviewed for research, and finally I I decided that I am a people care person and I needed to take care of people and that I also needed to do research and medical school was the way to do that. And so then at 28 years old, you sit for your MCAT, you hope everything turns out okay and that you're not too old to do it. And you go back to medical school. And I was so thankful to get into the University of Chicago, the Pritzker School, which is really known for its medicine, it's known for economics, it's always an honor to go there. And so I then decided at the end of medical school to go into orthopedics. Listen, I want, I, I'm gonna, I did not get out of my training in orthopedics until I was 40 because training in orthopedics is a six to seven year residency and a fellowship. But here's the deal people, as I'm talking to you is, I was going to be 40 anyway, whether I went through this pathway or whether I never pivoted. So my my advice to people when they're asking me for it is always you don't let time and age be a barrier to what you're passionate about because it's going to happen anyway. A day is going to follow a day and you will be whatever age you're afraid of being when you get done. So at 40 I got my first orthopedic surgery job and then have been rushing ahead uh, all these years to make up what I perceive as, you know, time. So I can't even remember. Did I answer your question? But that's my story, how I pivoted. You did answer it. And I love, I appreciate you multiple times telling the audience, look, 
It's true. You know, people with success will, will they'll see, they'll finally get whatever it might be that launches for them. You know, you're a multiple book author, right? You have your first book or you have your first business. Well, it's years often, often it's years of struggle and challenge and ups and downs. And it's not the Facebook happy messages every single time right in our life. It, it is a reality, right? That we have difficulties, right? You know, we have challenges with people in life. We have challenges with our own physical body, our own mental mind. And something you said, I think was really, people may have not caught. Often when people go to great schools early on, they're shocked by, wow, there's this many other people that are as intelligent as I am, right? And, and, and not just intelligent, right, but hardworking. And all of a sudden we have a, a hiccup and we, and our confidence goes down. And then therefore we, we, we pivot away, right? And what you've proven in here is that that was just a setback. It wasn't really where your journey was going to end up. And I, I'm hoping for everyone here listening that, you know, Fonda is a great example of that. And, you know, Carl, I want to addend that also by saying I do not regret one minute as a nurse because I am the whole person doctor I am today with a deep understanding of what it means to take care of people because I spent six years at the bedside. And I don't know that I would do it any different because I might, if I had gone straight you know, from undergraduate to medical school, A, I might not have gotten into such a great medical school. And number two, I, I would have probably been an amazing technical surgeon because I have great hands, but the deep understanding of taking care of people that comes from understanding what people go through, I might've missed out on. So I don't regret anything in my pathway. I, I call it, what do I call it? My pathway to imperfect success in, per in parentheses, my pathway to success imperfectly, but I wouldn't change anything, right? And, and that's the honest answer, right? If most people you're communicating and they once again reach this, they're going to talk about their struggles and their challenges, not the things that you see in the outside typically, right? It is, is the reality that what happens for all of us who get to what people from the outside would quote unquote call success, right? Yeah. So I, I love that concept. Now you... One of the stories I want to share about that we talked about prior to being on the podcast is you're having some incredible results through working with some of your clients, right? Of some athletes who are at a different stage of their life, right? They're not, as you said beforehand, they're no longer the 30 year old that could eat anything and do anything and recover from a slight injury. And in 48 hours, they're back up and running again. Things change when we get older. And, and our muscles and our bones and everything doesn't do differently. And you have a whole clinic that does deeper level science and research to help get people back. So if you could share with me an example, and once again, we, we're not going to give out any names, of course, but an example of somebody who's come into your clinic and how they were struggling with something and then they got to an outcome that they didn't expect because of some of the work that you're doing with them. You know, exactly. So I have built programming that... Uh, that is under the, an umbrella of ageless life, Riley. I want us to be able to progress on our life journey without regards to how many candles we have that can burn down our kitchen, right? I want us to feel healthy, vital, active, joyful at every stage of our life. And sometimes that means harnessing the wisdom of our age. 
And so as an orthopedic sports doctor and having the privilege of taking care of really peak performers my whole career, I've learned a lot about the real difference from going where many of us maybe don't even know we live most of the time. We live in a state of, I'm fine. I feel fine. You know, most days I'm fine. Knowing that sometimes with even simple changes, we can be consistently feeling amazing and full of energy. And, and it sometimes doesn't take a lot to go from fine to optimize health. And then once we're optimized, moving then towards what does it take to be in peak performance, whether we're talking about athletes, whether we're talking about executives or teachers, professors, surgeons, um, anybody wanting to go from just fine, average feeling to amazing. So we put these programs together where we do basically three pillars. We um, measure actionable biomarkers of aging. There's about 20 things in the categories of organ health, inflammation, metabolic health. There's actually nine categories, but only about 20 biomarkers that we take action on right away because I have found taking care of people this long that if you give them 90 things to do, they'll do nothing, right? So we measure what's going on inside. Then we measure the type of lifestyle factors that uh, we can change. We measure things like lactate threshold to see where your heart is working and when you're gonna burn fat the best. We measure body composition. We measure, we do a motion assessment because many of us through the repetitive bad motion path patterns get hurt, right? And we don't want that, that's easily corrected. So we do molecular aging testing, we do lifestyle aging testing, and then we do two measures of brain function. We do resilience measuring to see where we can increase our mental resilience. And we do actually physical brain testing through a partner named Nestry. And then we take all these data and I am the assimilator. I am the vetter. I am the put the pieces together for the person. And we build a precision longevity plan, optimizing our biomarkers, planning a precision lifestyle approach. Because Carl, what works for me is not going to work for you. It is not going to work for somebody else. Precision. And then we put it all together with mindset mobilization. And we launch over six weeks. So I had this guy. Had him in my clinic today. He started with me about eight weeks ago now. He is a really high-level pickleball player, which is all the rage in this country, right? If you're not playing pickleball, which I'm not, you know, we all have something to learn. So, I mean, literally high-level. He plays with the 12 best players in the city, and but was getting hurt a lot, was having really low energy levels. And then uh, such low energy all day long that come along in the evening and he's ravenous. And then, you know, just all kinds of habits that happen when we're eating out of desperation. Right. And being fine, he was able to perform in his sport, but the rest of the day wasn't amazing. Right. So we did all the things that I just described biomarkers. We looked at his energy level, including NAD plus what was happening inside of his cells with energy. We looked at nutrition, how much protein we were getting, how much total kilocalories. And then we made a simple plan that only comprised of four or five things. We upped protein, 
We increased uh, NAD plus with supplementation. We started lifting heavy weights with the perfect form and a few, a couple other things. And it is amazing. The miraculous change from fine to he walks in, he looks like a million bucks. His skin is an amazing color. He's had no longer has energy slumps. Um, you know, and it didn't take a complete transformation of life. It kept, it took paying attention, having a Sherpa or a general contractor like me just saying, okay, here's the first five things, do that. And it's amazing what we can accomplish. And, you know, I've done this myself for myself. Uh, if we, I'm sure you'll ask me if I have time, if we have time later, but that's a great story, right? About how we can make simple changes that profoundly affect our lives. Okay, so you led us perfectly. And so what happened when you went through it? So you know what? I have always known what to do. It's like a classic, you know what to do, but you don't do it. You know what you do, but you don't do it. And there have been times in my life, particularly around 40, right? When I got out of my training, the best shape of my life. You know, I'll tell you with unashamedly, I worked so hard. I was ripped. I've never been ripped, but I was ripped. Well, then orthopedic surgery have practice happens, having a bio, my only child happens. Then I went through menopause because remember, I didn't start till I was 40. So it wasn't that many years Then I went through menopause and, you know, not paying attention happened to me. And so I was sluggish. I had brain fog. I weighed more. I did not like feeling fine. I like, maybe it's my ego. Maybe it's the way I love to feel, I love to feel optimized and in peak performance. I am best when I'm that way. So I did the same thing to me. I did all the things bio. I put myself through my own program. I am. So my results, look how hyped up right. I am right now. I'm, this is my energy level most days. Cause I, I am energized from a cellular level. I, I take NAD plus. So I'm no longer at an old lady level of about 20. I'm about 60, which is a young energy level. I lift heavy weights. Women in my demographic need to lift as heavy as we can. No mamby pamby little pink weights. So I power lift three or four times a week. It has completely transformed my body composition. I base train. I don't kill myself in high intensity interval training, which I used to. I love that dopamine rush. But what that gives me is a lot of aching pain that shuts me down, which is very similar to a lot of other people in, in midlife, the 40 years of midlife. And then um, and then you know what? I I pay attention to what I eat. I, I eat as much protein as I can. I, I no longer drink alcohol. I never really did. I'm Chinese. I don't have the right enzymes. So it was always difficult for me. But cutting it out altogether has helped with brain fog. It reduces my risk of breast cancer. So for me, it's the right decision. So a few of those changes, and Carl, I'm not kidding. I went from fine to today. Even a couple people said, wow, what have you been doing? Because, you know, I no longer just am fine, right? So I'm living proof of my own program. I love that story. So you have, not only do you have a new clinic, or I shouldn't call it a new clinic, but you know, the clinic that you're doing and working with people, you have your orthopedic practice, but you're also an author. You've written yes. five books so far. You have a couple more coming up. Share with us 
your latest work that you're working on? So you know what? I, I started writing books in 2004 based on the science that was available at the time. And since that time, including everything I've just talked to you about uh, that I incorporate into my program is recent science. And so the book that will be coming out in June is called Strong, Four Steps to Body, Brains, and Bliss. It's a whole person approach to going from fine to optimum health to peak performance. And it's a sequel to my book, Guide to Thrive. So it's not only information, it's a six-month actionable plan. I found people like instructions every day. And it's also a workbook because the more you reflect on what I really want, and earlier you were talking about the new business plan class that you have put together, Guide to Thrive and Strong are both strategic plans for your health. Because I contend to you that people will write a strategic plan for their businesses, their children's educations, their neighbors' children's educations, but very few of us take the time to write the four steps of a business plan for our health. So we take time to create a vision, knowing who we are, where we want to be, what are the barriers. We then write the action plan, that small actionable steps. We then, I call them my third, my third step, um, attitude. What are the barriers that are going to keep us from success? Cause we're going to remove those. And then the fourth step, you know, uh, measure your achievement. Doesn't that sound like a business plan? Absolutely. Yeah. A Absolutely. Vision, action, uh, attitudes and achievements. So that's what the book strong is about four steps of body brains and bliss. And we're going to have it out in June. And you know what, Carl, it's also a new adventure for me. All of my books have been published by publishers historically. And I'm very thankful for that. This will be my first foray into self-publishing, which is now an acceptable thing. Lots of authors do it. So it'll be up on uh, all book publishing, uh, all book procurement sites in June, or people can just email me if they you know, want to get on the list ahead of time. That is uh, very exciting. Super excited about those results. Congratulations once again on your continued research and writing. As I know, getting out our first book is a challenge uh, to get one out so that you're in the step of multiple books is, is absolutely incredible. So you've been talking throughout this experience of measuring success, which I love. I mean, you, you really do choose strategic planning for people. So I'm curious in your practice, how are you measuring success? In my orthopedic practice. <laughs> yeah. So we, there are lots of ways to measure success, right? Uh, and, you know, anytime I work for a CEO, which I've done a couple of times previously, although now I'm in private practice and I ask myself this, what is success? We could say success is numbers. I want 500 to 1,000 surgeries per year, which means I have to backtrack and have X number. It's an, it's an accountant numbers game, right? So that's way, one way to approach success. And if we are, if we're running a business, we have to be interested in that. But actually, I need people to come to my office and experience the technology we use to heal you. But what I really want is what I had today. Today on Fridays, I have my post-operative clinic. And I get the pleasure of seeing people who are freshly out of surgery or people who have are three to six months out and are ending their surgery recovery journey. And inevitably, they have gotten their lives back. They're out of pain. 
They're back enjoying their families. They're back enjoying their sports. And Fridays is a huge celebratory atmosphere in my clinic. In fact, people who graduate from surgery, I have a big, uh, uh, it's not a poster board, it's a canvas. We have them sign our wall of fame because it's a celebration that they got their life back. And that is a success to me. That's tremendous. You've shared multiple habits throughout that you've used from your own practice to help yourself out. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are some key habits that you haven't talked about yet that you do consistently for your own peak performance? Um, well, a couple. Um, after all the years of training as a physician where I trained before the work hour restriction. Current trainees are restricted to 80 hours a week of work, which seems astronomical. And many of them work more than that. But in my era, there was no work hour restriction. So I I worked 136 hours one week or something stupid like that, Because right? So not sleeping for that amount of time, you bet yourself, I protect my sleep. So I have a nighttime routine. I start getting ready to quiet down around 8.30. Uh, you know, I like to take my magnesium around nine when I'm going to use melatonin. I do that around nine, just the ritual that we know to sleep. And then, you know, I even put in my noise canceling earphones if I really want to sound sleep. So we protect sleep. I guess what I'm getting to people is protect sleep. It's not dead time. It is the most restorative time. The other thing uh, on my road to success is I got tired of taking 18 bottles of supplements. So I made my own. I got with a great formulator. We created this product, which is amazing. That has all the micronutrients we need. It has all the augmentative things we need, like ashwagandha and matcha and green tea. And then we put in a proprietary rhubarb extract, which really works for women on estrogen receptors, all into one product called advanced menopause support. And it makes a huge difference for me. It gets everything I need in one place. And so, um, cause remember we can't do 90 things. We can do a few things. So those are two extra things that I do. Excellent. And, and I appreciate you going through and talk about, and, and, one of these, and forgive the dumb, I feel like it's sometimes a dumb question. Sleep is good news, right? People are more aware than ever before that sleep's important. Mm -hmm. I know it's different from person to person, but if, if there is general rules, what, what should we be trying to aim for, for sleep for ourselves on a personal level? Like, is, is it... And forgive me, is it six? Is it seven hours? Is it eight hours? Is it 10 hours? Or does it, is it very dependent on the individual? Uh, everybody has their own circadian rhythm and clock. In general, most of the sleep experts I've listened to, and I've listened and know many of them, say between seven and eight hours, waking up at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time. So the circadian rhythm is always set. So I am always up at 5.04, even on the weekends. And I'm always in bed unless I'm going out someplace because I just want that rhythm. Um, so seven to eight hours, do not skip it. Uh, I mean, all the things we've we've 
it's out. It's so common now to talk about sleep. At one time, it wasn't at all. In fact, I was one of the ones who said, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, that was stupid. But, <laughs> but you know, seven to eight hours, a routine, uh, wake up and go to sleep at the same time, get as much sunlight as you can immediately upon waking up. All those things really matter. You're, you're, statement there I sleep when you're dead my grandmother has since passed used to tell that apparently to my grandfather and and it was fun he was not overweight but he would she would say hey fatty hey fatty get up you can sleep when you're dead that was like on the Saturday mornings basically so oh she's she's so (laughs) truthful isn't she she's rough get up (laughs) so it was it was awesome okay so let's see next steps here how um a book that's not yours. Yes. That influenced you that you would recommend for others to read. Okay. So this is not for everybody in your audience. And yes, it is. I want everybody who is a woman or who loves a woman or who, or who's interested in some woman's health. If they're in middle age from about 35 to 70, I want them to read estrogen matters. It is a book that summarizes the world's research on hormone replacement therapy, which was taken away from women by a faulty study, the Women's Health Initiative study. It is by Avram Blooming and Carol Tavris. Avram Blooming is a breast cancer researcher. Carol Tavris is a social researcher, a PhD. Every paper that you would never read yourself, they've summarized it and give you the risk analysis of behaviors like what's more risky, taking HRT and getting breast cancer or flying on a plane, you know, and they'll tell you it's flying on a plane, interestingly. So we just need to clear up this problem with whether or not women need to suffer not in menopause and whether or not HRT is the right thing by educating ourselves. So Estrogen Matters by Avram Bloomy and Carol, Carol Tavris. Thank you for that recommendation. That was wonderful. But how can people connect and learn more about you? I would love for you, if you're on social media, to find me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, the same handle, at drvonda, my name, V-O-N-D-A, right with a W, at Dr. Vonda Wright. That is also the name of my website, at Dr. Vonda Wright. Um, Easy, really easy to find me. Um, I have a professional email. If you want to have questions or get a hold of me about my programs, it's Vonda at VondaWright.com. Also easy. Um, you know, and I'd love for you to read strong when it comes out. And if you want me to tell you it's coming out first, then just email me and we'll make a list. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Dr. Vonda Wright is one of the best in the business, and she is continuously trying to innovate and make a difference for people out there. So I appreciate you sharing that today, Vonda. And to you, the guests, once again, we wouldn't be out here without you. So if you've liked this, what you've heard today, please go out and rate our show. That's how we continue to climb the charts, being one of the top global podcasts. And as we always say, wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.